Guys, hello and welcome. Patrick Precourt here. Great to have you with me tonight. Another exciting topic we're going to hit tonight. And quite honestly, it's one of my favorite topics to talk on, the topic of leadership. You know, there's a real reason why we're going over this tonight, uh, and I'm going to save the, that reason for the end. Um, it, it'll make a lot more sense to you once we go through this. So um, please hold on to the end of this, and you're really going to appreciate what I have to share. You know, I sent out a... Uh, a question for you and the question was pretty simple it was what did you think was your number one weakness in your leadership capabilities now if you haven't answered that I appreciate if you think about it and maybe take the time and type it in so we can share some of these ideas at the end and maybe address them together um, don't think you're alone in it we're kinda of all in this together I think everybody knows that okay so hold on There we go. Somehow we're getting a, a feedback there. Sorry about that. Alrighty. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch over to a presentation for you here. And as we go through again, what I'd love to hear from you is what you feel is your number one challenge in becoming a strong, powerful leader. About halfway through this, I'm going to go through the five levels of leadership with you. And you see, you know, you probably just thought, well, you're either a leader or you're not. And it just does not work out that way. Um, nice thing about it, leadership is not, um, it's not innate to you. You're not born with it. It's something that you um, learn, it's taught to you, you practice, you check it, you measure it, and you can master it over time. And anyone can be an outstanding leader if they're committed to it. So, uh, invite you to sit back and enjoy, and I'd love to hear from you along the way here. There we go. All right, and I know it's not in full screen mode, and um, not much we can do about that on Google Hangouts because once you go to full screen mode, you lose the control of the hangout itself it just freezes the screen so sorry about that but this is the best uh, best we can do in this mode so here we go entrepreneurial leadership you know I, I titled it that uh, for two reasons one most of you are entrepreneurs in some way shape or form and number two I find that um, entrepreneurialism is something now that's stretching into all areas of our lives so whether we're out as a technically as an entrepreneur or not it affects us in all areas of our life, and the mindset of an entrepreneur certainly is beneficial to anything we do. So that's why I titled that way. So um, it does. It, it, this is fitting for every single one of us. Leaders become great not because of their power, but because of their ability to empower others. Unlike some of the leaders that we know, it's not about the leader. It's about their ability to bring up others around them. You know, when I started on a, uh, a men's rugby team, coming out of college, I was one of the young guys on the team, and in a short period of time, I ended up captain, captaining that team, and it was a very established, successful um, team with a lot of history and a lot of guys much older than myself on it, and I didn't really realize this at the time, but the reason I was chosen captain back then was not because I was the best player on the field. 
absolutely not. I was probably one of the more inexperienced ones. The reason I was chose captain is because when I was on the field, I raised the level of play of everyone around me. That's what a leader does. You know, if a leader tries to take everything on their own shoulders, which, you know, as entrepreneurs, many of us do, raise your hand if you suck at delegating. I understand that. But think about this. Think about how little work you can do, even when you're at 100%, versus how much work um, an entire team can do around you. And that's kind of what we're talking about here, okay? A leadership ability to build a team to persuade a group towards a common outcome, towards a common goal. Everything rises or falls on leadership. A household without leadership will fail. You guys know what I'm talking about here. A team without leadership will fail. A small business without leadership will fail. A church without leadership will crumble. doesn't matter what the organization of the group is. Without leadership, things will come down. And on the same note, things can rise to out, you know, outrageous levels with with proper leadership. So today's presentation, this is what we're going to go over. Why leadership? I want to, you know, I'm, I'm addressing that specifically because I talk to so many of you on a regular basis saying I'm not a leader. That's a common phrase I hear or I don't need leadership. You know, it kind of boggles me that when I see business plans presented to me when, you know, I'm evaluating it for a student Never in there does it say that I've got to learn the skill sets to become an outstanding leader. I got everything else in there, marketing and sales and fulfillment, but no self-development to become the lady or the man to drive that team, to drive that business. And that's where I always stop. I said, who's going to run this thing? Oh, I am. You have a track record of being a entrep successful entrepreneur, well, no. Then don't you think there might be some skills you need to learn? So why a leadership? We're going to talk about leadership on change. You know, there's two types of change. There's a change that you cause, and there's a change that you react to. Only one does a leader ever get involved with. Five levels of leadership, and this is the hierarchy of how leadership goes. Two of them are ultimately ineffective. Three have gravity to them. One is rarely reached. So I want you just to see the bigger scope of it and what we strive for while you see it's an ongoing process, an ongoing journey. And then as we wrap this up, we're going to talk about the exact steps to develop as a leader to create outstanding leadership. And that will be our discussion tonight. Again, I encourage you to share your thoughts right into me. Let me know what your weakness is, what you feel your greatest weaknesses is or are in becoming a leader or as operating in a leader. And I know fundamentally one of them, people you know, are commonly challenged with their own insecurity issues. And if that's any of you, let me know. We'll, we'll talk about that, how to address that. It's common. You're certainly not alone with that. Okay, production may win games, but people development wins championships. That's what leaders do. They develop people. Anyone can create 
a process or a system, and that will get you through the game. But it will not sustain you through the championship. You need a true leader who knows how to develop and get the most out of people, and not through leveraging people in a way that you think is common. You'll see what I mean just a moment on that. Leadership is accepting people where they are and taking them somewhere, which means that a great leader sees you for who you are, but for so much more than you see yourself as. A great leader can see much more potential in you than you see, and they're willing to take you down that path to achieve that potential. And I'll tell you, motivating you to achieve it will never achieve your potential. And I know that just goes cross-stream to what many of you think leaders do. You think leader and quality leadership is motivation. And I'm telling you now, whoops, that is not. So that's what I want to kind of spend a little time on this next slide here. I'm talking about a leader versus true inspirational leadership. The difference between motivation and inspiration. And then we'll talk a little bit about how to measure your current state of leadership. Quick little measuring test for that. You're going to get a kick out of it too. So what's the difference between a leader and inspirational leadership? It's kind of the same comparison of motivation versus inspiration. So what is motivation? So let me talk about it a little and then I'll specifically define it. I'll give you examples. So motivation might be you're motivated to run you know, a 5K race to lose some weight, maybe to stay in shape, maybe you do it to raise money for cancer, maybe it's just to prove something to yourself, it's on your bucket list, you want to check it off, maybe you made a bet, maybe you only got 10 pounds left to go, whatever it is, achieving this is pretty thrilling, these are all fine reasons to be motivated, to achieve something, right? And of course you're nodding right, of course. Inspiration is different. Inspiration, in the same running example, would be the runner's high. So you say my body simply has to run. When I run, I feel closer to life. It's intrinsic, it comes from within. Motivation is extrinsic, it comes from the exterior. See the difference there? So say you want to write a book. Now, many of us want to write a book, but it's for typically business reasons, right? So you got to write a book. You need a blog and a brochure to raise your profile and get your stuff out there, sell more stuff, serve more people, etc., etc. So you compose and you package all these thoughts and maybe you commit to writing a thousand or fifteen hundred words a day until you cross the finish line. You get it done. All fine reasons. You're motivated. You're driven here. But when you're inspired, the words coming out of your mouth are a little different. I have something to say that needs to be heard. When I write, I feel bigger. I feel freer. Might even, you know, if you're a person of faith, you may say, this is how God speaks through me. You know, we need motivation generally to get stuff done. That's not why we're inspired. You know, in motivation typically there's a lot of stuff, a lot of measuring and checking off and punch lists and goals and all that other stuff. When you're inspired, you don't need any of that stuff. It's different. It's a calling. 
It's magnetic, meaning that when you're inspired, you're being drawn toward something. When you're being motivated, you're being pushed into something. Starting to see the difference there? In terms of leadership, your classic leader will motivate you. They'll generally drive you, push you to do something. And typically in motivation, there's a sense of loss if you don't do it. An inspirational leadership, however, will draw you to the outcome. You'll be inspired internally, intrinsically, versus being pushed externally, extrinsically by a leader. That's the difference between a leader and an inspirational type of leadership. A leader uses a carrot and stick type motivation, typically a reward and punishment. And this is also when you're trying to motivate yourself. Right? An inspired type leadership allows you to want on your own the desired outcome. So say, all right, bring this back now, because I know that's starting to reshape leadership for you a little. Probably reshapes what you think you should be doing each day, too. Do you have to motivate yourself to get things done, or are you inspired to achieve them? One is a punch list of stuff. The other one is a true your true calling, in case you're wondering the difference. So how do you measure your own leadership? Very simply. Okay. If you were to take away your ability to reward and punish, whoever it is you lead, however it is you lead, whether it be people you work with, whether it be people you, you know, you're the captain on a, 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 some sort of sport team, whether it be in a school environment, maybe it's at home in a family. If you were to take away your ability to reward and punish, would they still follow? That's the question. And to the degree that they don't is a reflection on your effectiveness as a leader, as it stands now. And don't worry if it's bad because you can choose to change it. You can make it that much better whenever you want. It's just a commitment to learning it like anything else. Right? I mean, think about this. You know, people learn to be masters in, say, playing a musical instrument and will go up on stage and display that mastery. And at times, we put ourselves in a role of leadership, which means we should be displaying our mastery of leadership, yet we haven't practiced one iota. We never thought about making ourselves better leaders, working at it every single day, testing ourselves to become bigger each day. We just expect it to be there. See the challenge? See why not all of us are great leaders? Why leadership? Should have wrote these in the other order here. Nothing of real value can be built alone. You cannot do it alone. Try to show me anything of any real value in this world that's ever been done, with very few exceptions, that hasn't been done by a team, a group, a church of people. Simply stated, nothing of great value can be achieved alone. Secondly, because there's no better way to increase your positive impact on the world and add value to others than to increase your leadership ability. You know, one of my definitions or part of my definitions of, of true wealth is a measurement of how many people 
you've positive, positively affected in this world. How many people you've had a positive impact on in this world? Leadership expands that. So therefore, there's a direct correlation, a direct path, direct bridge and connection between your ability to lead and your ability to grow true wealth. You say, well, Pat, my definition of wealth includes money. That's fine. I'll tell you this. To the degree that you bring great value to this world, you are equally or more greatly rewarded back by this world. Interesting, isn't it? To go hand in hand. Thing here is you can't cheat it. You've got to be bringing great value. And there's no better way to increase the way you bring value to the world, the way you impact the world, the way you impact others, than to increase your ability to lead them. Leadership on change. We're not designed to sit still. We're designed to constantly grow. It's one of our basic human needs. Constantly change. You know the old cliche, if you're not growing your... Well, it's really not dying. You're growing obsolete. You don't change. You grow obsolete. The challenge of leadership is to create change and facilitate growth. That's it. Create change, facilitate growth. Now, a lot of things have to happen for those to happen, correct? But that's the big challenge in leadership. Because you know what? As much as we need to change, we resist change. It's a basic human need to change, but so is consistency in our life. There's a constant tug of war going on. We want things the same, yet we want them to change. But well, you can't have both. And as a matter of fact, you can only be happy with one. And that's growth. When you sit still and do nothing, you grow obsolete. Your mind does. Your emotions do. Your soul does. Your body does. Anything you live, leave there long enough, it will grow obsolete. So the challenge here is to create the change, facilitate growth, but there's a huge difference between what I call reactionary change and evolutionary change. Evolutionary change means you instigate it. You are the creator of the change. Therefore, those around you are reacting to it versus reactionary change. You're sitting back and waiting to see what happens to you, what happens to your team, what happens to your organization, what happens to your small business. That's how companies fail. That's how companies go out of business. Because they sit around, they grow obsolete, and they have to react to what's happening around them. Evolutionary change, you do things that others don't have the guts to do. You get bigger than them. You need a vision. You need a vision of a leader who can get this movement started. And only a leader, a quality leader, an inspirational leader, can see the vision and sell it. And sell it in terms of not motivate people to achieve it, but inspire them, draw them to it. That's the level of leadership that we're talking about here. That's when you get buy-in. You don't get buy-in with care and, st and stick type motivation, reward and punishment type motivation. You get compliance. But the second the reward disappears, so does the compliance. And as all of you know, the path through change is never easy. There's ups, there's highs, but there's lows, there's challenges. And there are times 
during those challenges when you as a leader are not going to have the available tools you did when you're on the high. You don't have the same carrots you once had available to you and you will need absolute committed buy-in to achieve the vision. It's got to be sold that clearly that you're drawing them to them. You're not constantly pushing them into it. One of the greatest roles of a leader is to inspire change, not push change. So let's talk about for a bit here, leadership lid. This one's worth analyzing. Again, as we go along, I'd love to hear from you what you feel are your challenges with leadership, what you think might be one of your weaknesses here. Leadership is very simple. It's where you cap out as where you cap out at as a leader, kind of where your bandwidth stops. And whatever you try to accomplish is will always be restricted by your ability to lead others at that level. This is kind of this goes all the way back to being a parent. I say back to it. I'm still a parent. I'm sure many of you are as well. This goes all the way back to being a parent and your ability to uh, get the best performance out of your kids. Your kids, generally speaking, in their youthful years will never outperform the expectations that you set for them. And in a parent-kid relationship, that's the leadership lid. What's your expectations of them? Now, here's the thing on expectations of kids. There's risk, isn't there? Hell yeah. Of course there's risk. Because you're expecting them to expand outside their boundaries. You're expecting them, even though their abilities haven't caught up to yet, to start chasing their spirit. So their capability to perform may not be there, but their spirit is huge. And, of course, us as outstanding parents, we don't want to put that flame out. We want their capacity to expand to their spirit. We don't want to pull their spirit down and back to their capacity. And there's risk because they will screw up along the way. Hell, they're kids. It's their job. That's how they learn. I say this all the time. There's no true education or lessons to be learned in life that are not experienced. Meaning nothing really can be taught. It's got to be experienced. That's how we learn. And as a parent, that's how we expand our kids. We allow them to experience their way up to their cap of their where they match their capability to their spirit. And it means as a parent, we take risks. We're giving up responsibility. And this could be letting your kids go out and drive alone for the first time at night letting them make big decisions with their friends. It could be whatever it is, but that's how we grow our kids. So you bring this back to the real world here. In your team, it's the same way. The level of responsibility you pass on to your teammates to get the job done. And if you constantly micromanage it out of your own insecurities and your lack of faith in your own ability to lead, then you hold them back. And that, yeah, that becomes your leadership lid. So what is the lid there? First, quite honestly, the reality of that is it's your own personal insecurities that are creating the lid here. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It's your own personal insecurities that create the lid here because you're afraid to let go. Yeah, but Pat, nobody can do it as good as me. Quite honestly, that's a line of bull. As a matter of fact, there's somebody that can do it better than you. You're just not attracting the right people. Let's be honest with one another. A great leader attracts outstanding people. It's another limitation in our lid. 
follow me on all this? Maybe you're just afraid. What are you afraid of? Most likely screwing up and people judging you. Well, that's another lid to your leadership. That holds down everyone around you because you're afraid to get a little bigger. You know, going big, and I, you, you guys hear me talk about it all the time, going big. Going big isn't necessarily jumping off the Empire State Building, okay? Going big could be the decision to go big and the commitment to make small steps towards that big decision every single day. Refuse to step backwards. That's going big. And again, what are we capable of ourselves and what's holding you and I back from raising our leadership lid? If you read the book Grinding It Out, it's Ray Kroc, you know, the founder of McDonald's. wasn't really the founder of McDonald's. The McDonald brothers were the founder of McDonald's. And they had two outstanding McDonald's stores. They're about the hamburger and about milkshakes back then. They made a lot of milkshakes. And Ray Kroc was a traveling, I kid you not, a traveling <clears throat> milkshake mixer, blender, salesman. I kid you not. Right? That's all he was. And he was in his 50s already. And he stumbled upon the McDonald's brothers to sell them some blenders and checked out their two stores. He said, you got rockin' hamburger and milkshake stores, McDonald brothers. Why don't you make more of them? And truth is, the McDonald's brothers did not have the bandwidth to do more than they did. One ran one store, one ran the other. They had employees. That's it. That's all they did. They didn't have the ability to see the vision or to inspire and pull those around them towards the vision. If you read the book, you'll see, too, that the ability to inspire and get others to buy in to your cause, to Ray Kroc's cause, is the only reason why McDonald's made it because in the process they ran out of money they ran out of resources they were flat broke at one point yet people still worked for them they had no carrots to put in front of the people yet they still came through and made it work because they bought into the vision that was true inspirational leadership if you haven't read grinding it out take the time to read this short little book it's worth the read but when you take the time, the energy, the ability, the, the actions to raise your ability to lead others, you automatically raise your effectiveness and you automatically increase your buy-in rate. You know what I'm talking about when I say, you know, a confident leader is easy to fall in behind. They're attractive to you. You're drawn to them. You're drawn to their purpose. You buy into them. When you raise your own leadership ability, you become that magnet. You increase the buy-in rate. I'll be honest with you. Obama came out of the gate appearing to be a strong, effective, inspirational leader. He did. And he garnished tons of support and amazing buy-in. Great. I'm not made this isn't a political discussion, so drop your for or against political bias here. We're analyzing what happened. Okay? And it was outrageous. He got it. Mind-boggling the results. Since then, he's 
pissed away a good portion of that buy-in. We'll talk about bits and pieces of that as we go through and how and why that happened. Okay, but his ability—it became clear his perceived leadership ability was not there. So instead of raising his leadership ability, his leadership ability decreased, his effectiveness decreased, and his buy-in rate decreased. See how those go together? Pretty amazing, right? It's not by chance. It's kind of funny because as soon as I brought that up, I started talking about it. There must be some real people who take offense to any negative stuff against Obama. I saw a bunch of people just jump off the call. <laughs> That's kind of funny to me. Leadership can be taught, studied, learned, practiced, measured, and mastered. That's the beauty of this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. That's all up to us. We can do with it what we want. But starting immediately, starting right now, we can all become better leaders as we grow here. Okay. All right. So let's take a look at the leadership stages so you can see what we're, what we're aiming for. Number one, and these are, these are in a book written by uh, John Maxwell, an awesome book and an awesome author on leadership. Okay, position. Number two, number one is leadership by position. Number two is leadership by um, permission. Number three is by production. Number four is people development. And number five is pinnacle. That's the highest level. Very few make it to this level of leadership. This is mastery. This is where you don't think about it. You don't have to work at it. It comes automatically to you. It's who you are. It's how you live. It's everything, everything about you. Very few reach that level. Level number one is position. You're giving a title. That's it. You have the right to be a leader. And people will listen to you because they have to. No other reason than that. They're forced to. Is this an effective level of leadership? No. At best, it's carrot and stick. It can run a McDonald's. You can be a manager with lower level employees that do nothing but produce production that's it. Number two, permission. This is where they like you. All right, they take a liking to you. So now they're willing to listen to what you have, but it's still a care and stick type measurement because just because they like you doesn't mean they buy into your purpose, they buy into your vision. doesn't mean they'll be there when a paycheck isn't. And that becomes a defining line to you, right? Next is production. This is there. People are starting to buy into what you're doing because of the results you're, you're bringing for the business, the company, the organization, the team, your church, whatever it may be. Now they're starting to follow you because they're starting to understand better. And this is where we're starting to come over the top. Now as a leader, this is still work. You still make an, an intent to perform in this capacity. It does not come natural to you. You've got to work at it every day. But things are starting to flow. People are starting to understand your purpose. They're starting to buy in. Your effectiveness is increasing. Next in line is people development. This is where people follow you, buy into you, because what you have done for them. It's called reproduction. When you now are reproducing leaders and managers, raising the level of those around you, you don't feel competition. But for those of you in a corporate world, You'll, you'll re this will resonate with you. Managers in corporate world hire who underneath them? Oftentimes weak people, yes people, because they feel if they hired somebody strong and powerful, they might risk their own position. See the problem there? And I'm telling you, 
That's wrong. It's direct opposite. You should be following, finding the best people and bringing them up, empowering them. But Pat, what if they get better than you? Well, if you're that good, they won't. You make yourself better. You know, whenever you teach something to anybody, there are two people that learn, them and you. If you sit back, fall into your comfort zone, they'll pass you, but they'll do it anyways, with or without you. But you're greatly empowered when you bring up the level of those around you. Hell, I was thrown on as a captain of a rugby team at a 60-year tradition as one of the youngest guys on a team for no other reason than my ability to bring up the level of play around them. See, when I, I approached rugby, very simply, I wasn't all that great at it, so I had to be more physical than everybody else. I had to let everybody know that I ran, in, that I ran into anybody I had contact with. I wanted them to remember a week later they ran into me that day on that field. That's how I played rugby. And whenever there's an opportunity to do anything, there's never a question of who. Like, that's my job to get that done. That's how I played rugby. And there was no exceptions. That became contagious. People saw me doing it. They're like, hell, not only is that scary, but that's effective. And it raised the level of everybody around me. I didn't push them into it. I pulled them up to it. Of course, none of this was recognized by me at the time. Right? I'll tell you a big failure in my rugby leadership career, maybe a little later here. So the, the people development is when you bring up those around you, you raise the level of them. That's reproduct, turning them, seeing in them what they can't see in themselves and getting them to take action on that. As a coach, that's one of my primary roles. So identify what's in you that you can't see yourself to get you to take action on that and then to hold you accountable to it. And inspirational leadership understands that. You know what? When you do something you did not think you could do, you are intrinsically rewarded. Would you not agree? You feel a hell of a lot better about yourself right at that one moment in time. And then that gets connected to the individual that found that in you. That's where buy-in happens. True leadership takes people somewhere so they can accomplish something. In order to go somewhere, it means you've got to do something different. It requires an evolution and change. Not sitting back and reacting to what's happened to you. That's why great leaders understand they are never in competition with anyone at all. Ever. Because once you focus on competition, you've given up 50% of your energy. Because now, instead of focusing 100% on you... You're looking at them and reacting to what they're doing instead of focusing on you, period. The only competition a strong leader ever sees is themselves. Their job is to be bigger tomorrow than they were today, period. See how that happens? And that mindset, that methodology is transferred back to the people that are buying into them, that are following him along, following her along. Oops. There we go. Okay. So let's talk about this for a sec. Key ingredient being character. You know, 
I've seen so many, and so have you, people rise and fall when their character fell apart. And some say, wow, it's too bad. Man, he made a mistake. He cheated on his wife, or he or she you know, had all these girlfriends. Or, wow, they, got a, they started doing too many drugs, or whatever it may be. We see it in um, politics. We see it in any, you know, we see it in the music industry. We see it in um, uh, music, I mean, rather, uh, movies in Hollywood. People who have risen to great heights and fallen from the top of the pile. And it can always be chased back to a breach in a character. Now, leadership is the capacity and will to rally men and women to a common purpose and the character which inspires confidence. How the hell do you follow someone who you know is dishonest? How do you follow someone who you know, although they preach one thing, their actions in life are directly opposite? You think you truly buy into that? The answer is no, and the truth is it doesn't matter what words comes out of somebody's mouth. The only thing that matters are the actions that one takes. That's a reflection of their character. And there's no, well, I only did it once. You either you either believe it's okay or not. Now, I'm not saying that if you made a mistake, which we all have, that you shouldn't forgive yourself and move on and grow from it. I'm talking about the decisions that you make on a regular basis. Now, would you do things that would serve you to great measures if they were, say, illegal or wrong, but nobody would ever, ever find out about them? And I was with, uh, you know, eight, it, it is what it is, I was with a bunch of guys, a little younger than me, this was about five years ago, on a trip. They're all married. All of them, all of them saw no problem breaching their wedding vows while they're on the trip. Because they knew they'd never get caught. They're amongst company condoning it. To this day, I don't associate with any of them for that one reason. Because you know what I say? If that's how they are to their to their lifelong partner, just because their partner can't figure out, how would they be to me as a friend? What would they do or say behind my back if they thought I couldn't figure it out? This one you can't cheat, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, we've all made mistakes, made stupid decisions in the past. And I'm not saying that we cannot, you know, be forgiven for those and forgive ourselves. But we have to make that decision to do that, grow from it, and become bigger people. A screw-up becomes a major screw-up when we don't get bigger from it. You guys agree with me on that? Okay. Now, if you want, type into the box. I want you guys to share with me all your worst decisions. <laughs> I'm just kidding on that one. You don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, I think you get the point here, okay? 
Why character? Every time a leader chooses character over compromise, he or she grows stronger. Sometimes you have to choose character over reputation. Yeah. Sometimes the masses want you to do something, and you've got to choose otherwise. It's against their wants, but it serves your character. Guess what? You will still become a bigger person. The harder that decision is, the bigger you'll grow at that moment in time. And every time you make that decision, every time you choose not to compromise, you become a bigger person. You've raised your leadership effectiveness. People around you see that. They feel that. They want that. People are intrinsically driven, not extrinsically driven. External motivation pushes us so far. Internal inspiration pulls you over the line. Four keys to character. You guys just went through these. Character is more than just talk. It's the actions that you take. Talent is a gift, but character is your choice. Who you are and how you are is everything you choose to be. I talked a little bit this about this on a blog post the other day about living your legacy now. It's one of our jobs to produce our legacy and is your life today the legacy you want to leave behind? Is that how you want to be remembered? The answer is no. I'd look into maybe cracks in character. Talent is a gift, but character is a choice. Character brings lasting results with people. I could be best friends, not best friends, but I could be friends, associates with people I disagree with who have a strong base, a strong character. Leaders cannot rise above the limitations of their character. Here are the four, <laughs> the four A's. Arrogance, aloneness, adventure-seeking, and adultery. The four breaches that take so many people down. Adventure-seeking, just going out and doing stupid things. You know, you can be bored because you have too much money. You can be bored because your relationships suck. You can be bored because you chose not to grow anymore, whatever it may be, and you go out and you start doing things that are not very smart, adventure-seeking, and oftentimes the adventures are way outside the boundaries and they become a problem. Arrogance is another way to find value. You know, we oftentimes we can find significance in life by being arrogant, and it's another way, arrogant cockiness, it's another way to be ripped down off the throne. Aloneness and, of course, adultery. We get those. Your character is reflected by the daily actions you take each and every day. You want to know what it looks like? Ask somebody. Or just go through how you act, how you run your day. Actually, you don't have to ask anybody, do you? You know this. We know this. I know this. All right. The reality of leading others is not easy. It actually takes a lot of hard work. People are a pain in the ass. You and I know that. We all are ourselves. Our job is to pull people up. But you know what? When things are great, that's when we step aside and get at the back of the line. Let everybody else take credit for it. When things go south, when things go down, that's when we have to step to the front and step up and be the leader. Anybody can lead during good times. It takes true leadership, inspirational leadership, to steer the ship when things are tough. And again, that's why a lot of people have fallen 
out of the 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 idea of liking President Obama so much because they find that when things go tough, he disappears. When things are good, he's standing out in front. That does not inspire people. The leader, we carry the heavy loads. We're there when the going gets tough. Let everybody else take the easy, the 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 stand in the, the sunlight and shine. Our job is to inspire people and pull them. We all fear screwing up. That's a reality of leader. There's not a leader out there that does not worry about making mistakes. But the difference here is in a strong leader, they take on that fear. They're not fearless. They act in courage. One of the ways to act in courage is you challenge the fear. What are you afraid of? And more importantly, if you choose not, what are you going to lose out on? And you'll find that what you're actually afraid of never, ever, ever, ever is bigger than what you're going to lose out on. And you move forward. Does the fear go away? I'll be honest with you. No. But you can still move forward in courage. Learning craft, <clears throat> the learning for leadership is not out of a book. It's not on this hangout with me. The learning is, in a is not in a classroom. It's hands-on. Kind of like being a parent. You can't learn to be a parent. Reading a book or going to baby classes. The only way you learn is through experience. Anything worth learning has got to be experienced. Leadership is very akin to that. And it takes a lifetime to master. And that's the beauty of this whole process, that it is an ongoing journey. Therefore, we can get better at it every single day. We can become more effective at it every single day. More effective at it, we are the higher our buy-in rate. Means the more we can get done, the greater impact, the greater positive influence we can have on those around us. See how quickly it starts growing? Leadership wisdom is grown, it's cultivated through trial and error. We do things, we screw up, it's on the job training. And if you're not screwing things up regularly and dealing with others, then you're not pushing hard enough. If you're getting everything right, you're not learning anything, nor are you stepping outside your boundaries. Truthfully, you're cowering to your fears. And it's time to change that. You cannot contract. You have to always expand. Like I said earlier, the act, the idea of being big isn't about taking one big massive step. It's the commitment to be big. And it's executed through the commitment to small, steady steps every single day, constantly moving forward. It's this collection of these small actions every day that create outrageous results. That's in everything. It's in absolutely everything. Oops, take it all that one, yeah. So, if you're willing, you can cultivate the confidence to deal with people effectively. Take deliberate actions towards this every single day. Leadership is not something that you're born with and it's not something that you're going to master. It can be mastered through a lifetime. Seek out training on and apply it. Study how others deal, what they do. Read stories like the, the true founding of McDonald's and how Ray Kroc had to rise above some crazy stuff Get absolute 100% uncommitted buy-in to achieve what he had to achieve. Also study those who appeared to be great leaders 
but were a-holes. And what they could have done differently. Study those who were at the top and came crashing down. Practice this stuff every day as if it were your job because it is. It's more important than anything you do. No, Pat, but I do this to make money. You know what? This is more important. You still got to do what you have to do to get by with your bills. This is more important, which means that you've got to do them both. Every single day, commit to a very sim simple model. Model. Never miss a day. If you're on a push-up campaign, do them every day. But Pat, no, no, but Pat, do them every day. But what if I wake up with a mumps with 110 degree fever? Do one. Do one. Don't tell me you can never do one. You can always do one. And the same goes for pushing your leadership forward. Every day you can expand. Model someone you respect. Spend some time with them. Do whatever it takes to get in their world. Get around them. You know, I've always stated that your environment is so much more powerful than your will. And I know that to be true. And I think I told you about the popcorn experiment where you know, they did this experiment with people at a movie house and they gave some people a big wampin' bucket of popcorn and some other people a medium-sized bucket of popcorn. But neither of them could be finished. They're that big. You can drive a freaking car into the big one. Given to them free. But it's really crappy popcorn. It was like, it was meant to be 10 days old and stale, like squeaking on your teeth when you're trying to eat it. And they found that the people who had the medium-sized bucket ate a ton of it anyways. But what, that's not the point of it. What they found more important is that the people who had the massive wampin' bucket, and every single person had their own bucket, ate like a ton more, all of them, than the people who had the smaller bucket. So what's the point? The point is this. The only thing different was the immediate environment. It was a controlled environment. People ate more because there was more to be eaten. Neither of them finished it. The popcorn sucked. Interesting, isn't it? You say, well, how does that apply here? Simple. If there's something in your life you want to change that's been going on for a long time, okay? Most likely, you hang around people just like you because we attract people just like ourselves and we like to hang around with people like us. That's your environment. You want to change that? Get around different people. I'm not saying they're bad people, but if you want to change it, which is the only thing in question here, then you've got to start getting around bigger people. Bigger people. Bigger people. So find some people you look up to. Do whatever you can do to get with them. Spend some time with them. Model them. It rubs off on you. You know, I could sit here, I could sit here and do that whole popcorn experiment crap thing, but instead of the environment, try to teach them why they shouldn't eat so much, why it's so bad for you, and all this other crap, right? Do you think I would have got such uniform results if the smaller bucket 
ate all the people in a small bucket ate less than a bigger bucket? The answer is no, because people would rely on their own willpower to do what's right, and, well, some people's willpower sucks. You know what I'm talking about. So I could get universal results by just giving them all smaller buckets of popcorn. I'd get the exact outcome I wanted, and so would they. We skipped how and what and went right to do. Get it? And that's a shortcut to achievement. You don't have to know the why about everything, do you? Think about this. If whatever business you're in, real estate, investment, stock exchange, whatever it is, if I said, listen, follow these exact 10 steps and it will double or triple your income. I don't know. It'll be one or the other, though. But you have to follow them verbatim and I can't give you any more information than that. Would that not be worth doing? Hell yeah. Did you really have to know how to do it and why to do it? No. She told you exactly what to do to get the results you want. And that's what I'm saying with this as well. If you want to change something in your lives that you're not happy with, find people that are like the one that are like what you want to be with and get around them. It's the quickest way to it. Instead of fighting against your willpower. The goal in life is not to live forever. The goal in life is to create something that does. And that's why I asked you that question earlier today, earlier in this presentation. How you live your life every day today, is that how you want to be remembered? It's a tough question. I understand that. But it's also one that's very intrinsic, internal to us. It is an inspiring thought, isn't it? So, well, Pat, I was inspiring because it's not how I want to be. Be inspired to know that you can change it on a dime. Now, this will lead into why we did this call in the first place. This is our last slide here. And I'll read. There are a couple comments here. I'd love to hear your challenges in leadership. Mr. Truman. As men make history and not the other way around. In periods where there is no leadership, society stands still. Progress occurs when courageous, skillful leaders seize the opportunity to change things for the better. Harry S. Truman. And truthfully, my challenge with today is I don't see that leadership out there. And truthfully, I don't see it in two years from now. As a matter of fact, I see our current political system so bottlenecked and politicized that a great leader would get choked to death and would not be able to perform anyways. And I'm not the kind of guy who can sit around and just accept that to be truth because without leadership, our country will weaken. But that's not to say that we cannot become leaders. That's not to say that we cannot take the reins. Say, you know what? We'll let them fight it out because it doesn't matter anymore. We'll be the fire. We'll be the leader. And you know what? Tonight, there might only be a few hundred of us leaving this call with a flame inside them. Running home and saying, you know what? I get this. I want to be part of that. But where does it go from there? Each one of you go back and you decide you're going to inspire others to hop on the cause, to get away from the, 
the absolute grid gridlock of our country right now that's been so polarized so us versus them so politicized it's raised the level of hate lowered the level of love it's killing our country and I know there's a solution and I'm gonna start down that path to providing that ladies and gentlemen that is our presentation tonight hey we do have some great uh, questions give me one sec here if you have any comments or questions, love to hear them. Because this is a hangout, which means we're all hanging out together, which also <laughs> means that it's we hang out better when we talk back and forth with each other. Think about sitting in a roundtable hangout, all of us, and me being the only one talking. That wouldn't be too cool. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to myself. Um, all right, Mr. Rob. My challenge in my challenge personally is from Rob says completing what I start. Who else has that same challenge? You start a whole bunch of shit and you just don't continue, don't finish it. Now there could be a lot obviously behind that, Rob, but I'm going to suggest a couple things here. Number one. Are you starting things that you're interested in or that you're committed to? Interested in means that you'll show up and you'll do your job when you have to, when you're motivated to do it, when it serves your immediate situation or helps your, you know, your mindset. But when it doesn't, you won't. Committed means you're truly inspired. You're being pulled towards this outcome. Come hell or high water, you're achieving no matter what. You'll do whatever it takes no matter what. It's the simplest definition of commitment that I know. You'll do whatever it takes no matter what. When you back that level of commitment with the only level of acceptable discipline, discipline, another simple definition, doing what you have to do when you have to do it, even though you don't want to. Doing what you have to do when you have to do it, even though you don't want to. When you're armed with discipline and commitment, Rob, you'll achieve anything you set your mind to. Prende? Don't know if that helped at all, but hopefully it did. Where this other one go here? Mr. John, oops, if I erased your uh, question because somehow I just erased some, I apologize for that, whoops. My challenges in leadership is being patient with those I'm leading. My experiences are probably too, my expectations are too high. How do I just, how do I just to be more effective? Huh, interesting. So you, really your question here is, am I setting expectations that are too high? Or do I lack patience, tolerance, and understanding? Am I correct there, John? Fair enough question. So let's take both of them on, okay? A good leader sees exactly what somebody's capable for of and sets the bar slightly higher. 
So maybe you have to look at the resources you have. And you, you ask, could you be ex uh, your expectations too high? Maybe, maybe not, but worth looking at. Okay? You know, if I ask my 16-year-old son to go and manage my gym for a week, having not done that, most likely he's going to do a pretty crappy job. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, he's 17 years old. But if I ask him to go fill in at the front desk um, for a shift or two, he'd pull it off. He'd find a way to get through and not totally screw things up. Because that's where he's at. Okay? So, yeah, look at how you're setting expectations. And that's your job as a leader. Maybe the buy-in isn't there, John. Remember the two types of leadership. You have extrinsic, which is a stick and carrot. is motivation. You know, there's two reasons why we do what we do, and it's for that external reward, the monetary reward, but it's also we want an internal reward. We are intrinsic. Humans are intrinsic. We want to feel good about what we do each day. Do you allow them to feel that, John? And I'm not I don't I'm not judging you or your situation. I'm just throwing things on the table. Okay? Do they feel great about the job they're doing? Again, my son had to do a really crappy job the other day. He didn't want to do it. This sucks. I hate this. This is not about the job. It's about how good a job you do at it. See the difference? This is not. You're not getting rewarded for getting the job done. You'll get rewarded for how good a job you do at it. Just changed the entire ballpark, didn't it? So those are a couple things, John. I think that I... Uh, I would work at and I don't know maybe you're just an impatient son of a bitch too I don't know and if you know if you are right um, figure that one out too you know what are you impatient with are they trying and not learning it so therefore you're getting frustrated with them okay let them fail a few times let them grind through it Alberto says sorry for my tardiness <laughs> but just uh uh, but just know South Texas is in the house. He checked in sometime later in the call. And I'm sorry for this, ladies and gentlemen, but I somehow erased uh, <laughs> any other questions. If it's any other, oh, there, something just popped back up. That's cool. I don't know how that happened. Uh, awesome. Uh, Nico, so thanks, Pat, for the hangout. It was fantastic. Boom. It's time to start, uh, start, start saying and start doing. Yeah. Your words have got to match your actions each and every day. We all know that. Thank you. Miss Kimberly. Um, oh, sugar. Hang on. Let me do one thing here. <laughs> I have uh, guys just said, hey, Pat, get off your uh, hangout. Hold on. Hold on. Go back here. There we go. Peace. Ah. <laughs> uh, Good to see you here, Kimberly. Will, will, my willpower sucks. What types of exercise should I practice to strengthen my mind willpower? Here, you know what? Glad you brought that up. Maybe your willpower is awesome, but maybe you're using it up. It's finite. It's not that it, it's not that it lacks strength. It's finite. Maybe you're using it in other areas that you don't recognize. I kid you not, I dealt with a young lady, she's an entrepreneur, 
she never came out and said her willpower sucked, but that was her problem was she was she was not following through on stuff. So if you want to know what the challenge was, she was and it took a little while to get out. She was having issues back at home. And it was she was using all of that willpower to manage what was going on at home and had nothing left. Nothing left in the tank once she brought it into the brought it to work. And that ultimately was a problem. And you know what? You can't that that you can't change. It's finite. You can overuse it and it gets you through a little longer, but then usually the fall down is even worse. You ever feel so freaking emotionally drained that you just your body starts shutting down? You ran your willpower tank out. So assuming that's it, Miss Kimberly. Go back to two things. The popcorn experiment. Okay? I told you not to eat a lot of popcorn. You have this big whomping bucket of popcorn, and your willpower is exhausted. You keep stuffing your face, right? It's an endless bucket of popcorn. You keep stuffing your face. Well, I say, instead of relying on willpower, I throw that bucket out, and I give you a little bucket because this is all I wanted you to eat in the first place, okay? Now you're not relying on willpower. Your environment change. What can you change, Kim, in your environment that works favorable to get you the results you want? Pat, my my diet sucks. Every night right before I go to bed, I eat crap I shouldn't be eating. Yeah, your willpower is exhausted. What if the food wasn't there? What if it was unavailable to you? What if only good food was there for you? Change the environment. Stop relying on willpower. It will let you down. It always does. Never gets blamed, but as always, it always does. So, Kim, I know it's not exactly what you asked, but don't try to better your willpower, okay? Change your environment. And number two, stop looking for motivation and start looking for inspiration stop trying to do things that only that you're only getting pushed into try to find some reason to pull towards them and you understand what I'm saying let's take fitness for example okay and if you know if, if you either like fitness crap or you don't right but If somebody was honest with you and told you that continuing the lifestyle that you're on every single day, you're choosing to leave this earth a day earlier. Every day you keep going is a day less in your life. And you're pretty much screwing your kids. If it's not big enough for you, make it big enough for them. Are you willing to bear that burden? It's no longer about going to the gym. It's no longer about eating healthy. This is about prolonging your life so you could be here for those who count on you, who rely on you, who want you to be here. Could you not find a little internal motivation for that? Internal inspiration, rather. You follow me where I'm going with this, Kim? Two reasons why we do everything. When one's lacking, I mean, the only thing left is willpower. We'll lose that fight. We do it for the 
external reward, whatever it might be, whatever that carrot might be, might be the, might be at your job, it might be your paycheck each week. Yeah, Pat, I hate my job, and hell, oh, that's all. That's all I get. Well, that's your choice. You could get great reward in doing. You could not make it about your job and how shitty your boss is and how bad the work is. You could make it about being the best human you can be each and every day while you're there, being bigger than everybody around you. Start a movement. If I don't like anybody around you, even better reason. It takes a big person to smile to people they don't like, right? It does. You follow me on this? These are choices. You can choose to fire. You can choose to find inspiration. You can choose not to. You can give me every excuse in the world. I'm not saying you, um, Kim. I'm saying in general, you can find a, a, any excuse in the world you want. But it doesn't change anything. Because the only one listening to them are you. And the only one who's going to be hurt by them are you. Guys starting to see the difference? Okay, a couple more questions here. There's probably some of the ones that I erased. Sorry about that. Miss Aaron. Pat, thanks for your explanation of the difference between inspiration and motivation. Great hangout tonight. You're very welcome, young lady. Nabito. What's up, Captain America? Says, uh, thanks for strengthening up one hangout at a time. Finally made it. Great to have you, brother. It really is. And I think that is it. Wish you guys would talk more. I like when you guys talk to me. But it looks like that's it. All right, listen. I'm going to let you rock and roll. Quick heads up. Um, two things. But I forgot what the second one was. Damn it. Well, anyways, um, I do this thing called Friday Coffee Break, which will be back online very shortly. Look in the email for something called Friday Coffee Break. It's always a short video. For those who used to be on that with me, you know what they're all about. But these are uh, short they're not in a situation scenario like this. These are live wherever I'm at, short five to seven uh, minute videos. They're going to come out every week or every other week, okay? They're going to take on the heated topics um, that are driving people away, but they're going to take us on, take it on in a way that unifies us. Follow me on that? Um, so please, when you see something that says Friday coffee break, jump on that, okay? Next week's hangout, two weeks. It's going to be on the topic of living big. I know it sounds weird. No, it's on the topic of what it's like to live a big life. Because I've gotten so much feedback. Well, Pat, that's so great that you live big and almost in a condescending way. But you know what? Not everybody can do that. Living big is a mindset. It's a mentality. It's not, it's, it's, it's not like... Living big isn't collecting all this shit around you, okay? Living big is the way you approach life. Living big is a decision that you make. Living big could be a decision that you're, you know what? It's time, it's time now. It's my time to step up in this world. It's now time to build my legacy. And we're going to start that immediately, one baby step at a time. So I'm going to talk about that and just some other elements of it. Love you guys. Appreciate you being here. We'll see you next time. Peace. I see for those who are still there, Carlos slipped in a final one here. Uh, question on books for leadership. I'll give you one of them that I referred to tonight, Carlos. Okay. 
Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell. Awesome read. Comes with a nice cover, but I take the covers off. Another one here. You'll have a hard time finding this, but worth finding it, okay? Leadership Secrets of Attila the Hun. This guy's Wes something. Wes Roberts, PhD. I think you can still find one on Amazon. Leadership Secrets of Attila the Hun. You'll never find anyone else who's read or heard this book. Awesome. Attila was a pillager. She said, well, what the hell can you learn from him? He got continents to work together. And he didn't have cell phones or email or fax. One of the key components of leadership is your ability to communicate a message. And he did it without any of that stuff and got continents to work together to achieve a common outcome. Big book for big people. Peace.